Our golf ball is going to become a protected resource and is the USGA shortening the length of the driver? This is episode number 93 of No Putts Given. All right, I've got Harry, Tony, and Chris with me. The topic that we read off the top of the show, are golf balls going to become a protected resource? Tony, why is this a question we're asking? Is there a shortage on the horizon? I don't want to induce sort of the the hoarding of golf balls and and having people go full toilet paper thing, but I think we are sneaking up on a point where sort of everything that is, is all the supply issues associated with COVID are converging on the golf ball market. So, you know, there's been whispers for for several months now and are getting to the point where they're louder of, of what amounts to a looming ionomer. Uh, shortage. So ionomer, key ingredient in golf balls. It is the cover material for for basically every two-piece ball in the market, and it is used in the mantle for every three, four, and five-piece ball of consequence in the market. And so whether you want to use, say, ionomer, the trade name Serlin, um, no Serlin, no golf balls. Yeah, I checked with contacts overseas as well as over here in the U.S. And the best response I got, uh, I talked to somebody who works for one of the larger manufacturers and he said, just very simply, it has our attention. You're talking about sort of compounding an issue because if the chemical companies are unable to supply what is sort of the good stuff, you have situations where some factories, some brands may opt to use a lower quality blend and that could ultimately impact the, the performance of the golf ball. You also have the t- same type of situation you see now with the, at the factory level where, you know, guess what? If you're looking at your, your favorite direct-to-consumer companies and they don't have inventory, it's because that production time is being allocated to larger, bigger OEM customers. And you're going to potentially see the same thing happen with, with your, your raw materials, your soil and your animal or whatever you want to call it, where what is available is going to go to the larger customers, which again, will leave the little guy high and dry without materials. And so the trickle-down effect of that Right now, what we're already seeing with production is, you know, you, you see some, you know, Vice in particular has has sourced some of its production from a lower tier factory than it that it gets, you know, its sort of standard lineup from. So you may see some of that, but ultimately we could get to the point where the balls you want to buy may not actually be on shelves because, you know, in talking to to some people, it doesn't sound like hey, it's just going to grind to a halt and there's going to be no golf balls. But what you are going to see is a a case where supply uh, can't keep up with demand and and particularly for for smaller brands. They're the ones that that stand to be in the most trouble here. Chris, do you think we're on our way to something like if you're not good enough to not lose your ball, you can't play golf? (laughs) No, I mean, it's easy to hear these reports and things and think, oh, the sky's falling. You're going to, you know, you're going to show up to the grocery store kind of like we've done throughout COVID times and go, wow, what are, you know, what are they out of today? What bizarre um, thing that I didn't anticipate is, is no longer on the shelves. And you know, maybe it's toilet paper. Maybe it's like, oh, there's absolutely no packets left of taco seasoning. Had that happen once. Like that was really disconcerting. Like why are so, we- So you bought ice cream instead, right? Bingo. Yep. Yep. It has been weird things that have randomly gone missing throughout COVID. Like bizarre things, right? And I, I think that's the part that, you know, the average everyday consumer probably is going like, what, what are you talking about? Like, okay, these are plastics, right? Like, and these things are used in, you know, tons of applications throughout the world of which golf balls are one. And, and we're talking about companies like DuPont, which obviously is a, a huge manufacturer, Dow Chemicals of 
of, you know, plastics. And, and we talked about things like ionomers and Serlin and whatever, but you can't make a golf ball without this stuff. So whether it's because of, you know, shipping container costs or it's another one, yeah. like we saw in 2013, you know, there were, uh, you know, labor shortages because there were strikes around wages and working conditions and whatever, you know, regardless of the reason, any of those things can impact production in in the short term. And we see the same thing we see in other industries where the the companies with the largest pull, the greatest capacity, the the most impact are the are the ones that are going to ultimately probably be okay unless there's something absolutely catastrophic that happens. It's the you know the smaller companies that maybe can't get in line, right, or or can't pay a premium to maintain a place in line, whatever the case is, that are that are potentially going to struggle. So I you know I wouldn't say we're in a situation where it's like, hey, if you got the golf ball that you love, go out and and buy up 20, 30 dozen of them, you know, to 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 satisfy yourself for the for the next year or two. But it might be worth getting an extra dozen or two to to have on hand if. If that's the case, especially if you play a ball from a not Titleist, you know, company, if you do play a DTC ball or something like that. So I don't think the sky's falling just yet, but I think it is, you know, definitely concerning. And one thing, too, that you, you kind of mentioned in passing is is container costs. And this is this is one of these things that typical consumer is, is definitely not thinking about because you may not. You know, you tend not to associate things like taco seasoning with containers. But, um, you know, again, I talked to one source who says his container costs have gone up more than 6x. So the number he gave me was, you know, typically it would cost him $3,000 to get a container to, to ship stuff over here. Now it's 18000 Right. And what used to take three to four weeks to kind of get stuff from a factory over here is now three to four months. And that's, you know loosely factoring in delays at the ports where you know, essentially you have ships just kind of parked out in the ocean waiting to come in. So I think it's almost inevitable that at some point we're going to see higher prices just because everybody is, is having to spend more to kind of maintain the the day-to-day operations. And even then, you know, we're seeing, again, we talk DTC brands, it's, you know, inventory in a lot of cases just isn't there. And it's, materials it's shipping container costs it's getting in line between big brands who as we know are are already struggling just simply to make enough to supply the demand even even if materials and containers weren't an issue still like the demand is there and so the guys spending the money get the balls made so are the big brands worried You've said that the DCC brands are probably going to be most affected but the big brands they're talking about this too right yeah, right now again everybody's trying to chug along and and get by and make do, but this is this is certainly has the has the potential to not just be a a small slash DTC brand issue. And so, you know, I, I specifically asked the source, I said, so what does this look like? Is this like we're out of golf balls or do we just have fewer on the shelves? And he he's not too concerned at this point about a hard stop where like, hey, there is no no ionomer, we can't make a ball. But it is a case of with allocations of, of materials being limited, you're potentially in a position where you have to pick and choose. And so, and who knows what that's going to look like at each brand level, but on a, on a really simple 
kind of fundamental basis. You think, all right, we we're going to allocate this this material to the balls that sell really well, right? And and maybe not to the ones that that don't sell well. So if you're in your Titleist, for example, you're going to make Pro V1 and Pro V1X. Uh, it might scale back those pinnacle <laughs> range balls. You don't necessarily <laughs> need those. If you're if you're Callaway, you're going to lean heavily on on Chrome Soft and and Super Soft. And, and even, you know, as crazy as it sounds like, you know, maybe you dial back Chrome Soft X a little bit because that's that's not a particularly huge seller. And so these are the kind of decisions that that may need to be made as we go down this road. And certainly, you know, the one thing that, that there is, seems to be universal agreement on, whether it's it's golf balls, whether it's clubs like we may not have peaked yet. And so all of this covid related stuff in the supply chain is expected to linger well into 2022. and. Yeah, I was going to ask if there's a time frame on it. Is there something that they were like, okay, we have to get through this time period. Is it already happening? Are they anticipating it? What's the time frame like? Nobody knows. I mean, I've heard estimates of June 2022, some a little earlier, but I, I talked to somebody who has just released new product. It's doing, you know, demand is high at the presale level. And you know, it's like, yeah, you can probably get on a list now, but if you wait much longer, December? Yeah, so yeah, don't expect many sales on golf balls too. You know, like we see a lot of these uh, annual sales pop yeah. up and stuff. Like we tend to see that end of Q1 kind of beginning of the year, everybody's doing a, you know, buy three, get one free, or buy two, get one free of this stuff. Cause because they do want to do a couple of things. One, jump start those sales figures, especially in a per unit selling, so, you know, because hey, if it's not dollar share, but we can sell, you know, three, four, five dozen for the same dollar share amount that help some of those metrics at the end of Q1. I won't be at all surprised if we don't see that as much in in 2022. Like that would be a pretty reasonable casualty of of this. <laughs> no, you're going to see you're going to see like buy 12 get 9 or 10 is yeah. you know that's kind of yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned in passing Bridgestone raised prices by a couple bucks and mm-hmm. you know that's reasonable because again, they like everybody else are are selling every ball they can make as quickly as they can possibly make it. They are sourcing product from Japan at a level they wouldn't do in a normal year. And again, now you're tossing in those container costs and everything that, that goes along with that. Yeah, I mean, it's 40. prices aren't going to come down. I doubt you're going to see spring specials at this point. It's yeah, it's, it seems unlikely. Harry, any advice to consumers as, you know, they want to go out and play golf like they normally do, but not, might not be able to find golf balls on the shelves? I would say go golf ball hunting. Check out our ball retriever guide. <laughs> find it, keep it. Just go find it and keep it for the time being, it looks like. I mean, I mean, you can't do anything about it. So Used market. Just don't go out and play refurbished golf balls. Just don't do that. <laughs> I thought we got some really good ones. I mean, I, I like mm. the variety pack idea of, hey, here's one refurbished ball, but really it's like five or six different ones, and you get to figure it out. <laughs> the, the consumer doesn't know until you cut them open. What people are saying on that, when I did open up those refurbished balls was, yeah, but they're all Pro-V. So I was like, some of them are. One of them we didn't <laughs> even know what are they are, but they all have different characteristics in which we don't know what year they are. So you don't know if you're getting a 2015 Pro-V or 2021 Pro-V. Devil's advocate, does that matter? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think with a Pro V1 in particular, it matters because, I mean, okay. what year was it? Was it the 17 or the 15 or 17? I can't yeah. remember where they... They flipped. I don't know. Whenever they confused the whole market. They effectively switched the profiles of the Pro V1 and Pro V1X. So 
there was a crossover point where you know a, a newer Pro V1 is is maybe from a performance perspective more like an older Pro V1X. So yeah, there's there are implications. But it's kind of like if you took Miranda, if you took like four different types of like you know a red wine or whatever, take that one Merlot and you took four or five different ones, pour them all into one bottle, bottle them all up, it's all the leftovers, send them out. Hey, it's a Merlot, right? Doesn't matter. I think they call that a red blend. You're correct. Yeah, they they, call it a red yeah, blend. that's and right. It's, it's a it's a Pro V1 blend. It's hey. a Pro V1 blend, <laughs> and it's cheap as hell. It's basically packaging leftovers and selling it as its own unique little thing. Your analogies, you you've always got them. Uh, it's the. Do you have them banked somewhere? No, or? not at all. Tony, any um, any more feedback from some of the OEMs about how they plan on getting through any potential shortages? No, again, like I said, the uh, you know right now I think everybody is is sort of guarded and watching the situation closely. We're not at a mission critical level yet, but again, I think I think the ultimate outcome here is if if things get bad and there is a legitimate shortage that that impacts the business, the first thing you're going to see is direct to consumer supply dry up. And then next on the list is you'll you'll start to see the the less popular balls in any given lineup stop being made for a little bit probably, and just focus on, like I said, you know every every manufacturer has top sellers regardless of what their market share is. They have balls that sell more than others, and so if you have a product people want and some other stuff that people want less, and you have to choose, which one are you going to make? All right, you heard it here. Don't panic, but if you're running short, you might want to go buy a dozen or two. Harry. Last week, we put out our very first water bottle buyer's guide. How was that testing process for you? Would you? How did that look? I mean, yeah, it was riveting. Um, <laughs> put some ice cubes in all of these containers and then check every hour to see if the ice is still there. If it's not, you know, you mark it down, you, you score accordingly, and then you go hour to hour, hour to hour, hour to hour, and then switch it and then do the hot water test and do hour to hour, hour to hour, and then throw another hour to hour into that and see if it's still hot. I'm glad we're paying you the big bucks, right? We are, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, that's a nice water bottle. You've got some stickers yeah. on it. Yeah, this is uh, actually, you know, as evidence, this is a, a water bottle head for a long, long time prior to any testing of water bottles. It is my personal favorite water bottle as well, which is our winner, Harry. What was our winner? Uh, the Hydro Flask. Hydro Flask, there it is. And Tony knows exactly what I would put in my water bottle if I need to drink copious amounts of something uh, during It'd the middle of the day. Cream. Yeah, ice cream and Diet Coke. So there you go. <laughs> it's the nastiest float ever. It's a tedious test, but I mean, there's a lot of demand for water bottles at the end of the day. People are saying, why the hell are you doing that? You must be running out of content. But at the end of the day, we need water to survive. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is September. We have tested pretty much everything yeah. else at this point. <laughs> and if you reuse a water bottle, which is plastic, which you get from just everyday places, you can actually get sick off of that because of the, the material is actually breaking down. So... A plastic water bottle, like yeah. a your store bought. Yeah, and it's hard to put stickers on water on plastic water bottles. Is that a Colorado thing? Decorating your water bottle? Yeah, it might be. I thought so. I thought it was a twelve-year-old thing, but obviously not. <laughs> My daughter does it. Wow, I feel I feel attacked, Harry. I feel. Yeah. 
I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people say, why didn't you test this water bottle? Why didn't you test that water bottle? We asked specifically what water bottles you want us to test. And they still say, so why didn't you test them? Well, why don't you test this one? <laughs> I said, there's 40,000 different water bottles. We had tested the ones that you wanted us to test. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny though, because, you know, I don't know if our worth just a quick mention. So Ping has a new golf ball fitting engine they launched uh, last Ball-namic. week. Ballnamic. Ballnamic. Yeah, com. But anyway, so I was checking it out. Like, and, and the first question is like, what ball do you currently play? And I went and tried to find my ball. And I'm like, why didn't you test my ball? Why is there no left dash? So all of a sudden, I was that guy. So yeah, how quickly the tables turn. Right. So tell us some fun facts about water bottles that we might not have known, Harry. Anything interesting to grab our attention? Some comes with straws. Some comes without them. <laughs> um, I mean, it depends. Like a lot of the time, we've seen funnel systems without straws. That like the Yeti that came second, that did pretty well with the funneling system of the water. The Rambler. The ones that don't and and just you just like a normal glass. If you have ice in there, it just sometimes splashes all over you because the ice gets stuck together and then comes down and splashes over you. That so. is one of like a, the worst things that could happen to you, Sounds right? Adventures. Like you're drinking out of a cup without a straw, and all of the ice goes clunk and falls on your face. It's terrible. Yeah, hey, I got one. Did you know that? that water bottles can also hold other liquids that may not be water. Mm. Yes. Deep thought. Anyway. Deep thought. Ooh. I don't think we tested this feature, but on the Hydro Flask, the top of this one is exactly the same size as the top of a can of pop. And so, like, you could just rest it in there like that. <laughs> God, Harry, why didn't you test that? It sits in there perfectly. So you can just drain an entire can in uh -huh. there effortlessly. Yep. Okay. So I could put two Diet Cokes, or in this case, we got... Dr. Pepper Cherry Zero Sugar. Yeah, it's really good. But another question that we got is like, these, these half of these water bottles don't fit a, a cup holder. Mm. Well, these come in multiple sizes. You can go and buy the one that, I recommend, that we recommend in a different size for you to fit that cup holder. Mm. But people are all getting up in arms about that and saying, well, this one doesn't fit in. They all make different sizes. I know this much for sure. You all I think we have hydro flask in like eight different sizes. Oh my gosh, yeah. they have them in 30,000 different sizes. And that's why it's our best water bottle, right? Yeah, it's great. One of the reasons. It's yeah. pretty good. And it's not as expensive as a, any other water bottle out there, like a Yeti. People might have a little sticker shock, though, if they have not been in the water bottle game for a while. Like, hydro flask with is 45 uh, to 50. Uh, depends the, on what size. All jokes aside, though, that is one of the reasons that yeah. we decided to do the water bottle guide because there are a lot of claims that people say, pay 50 bucks for my water bottle. It's going to keep your drink cold forever. It'll never get warm. And then right. you buy it and two hours later, you know, it's a regular water bottle. So that's that's one of the reasons for doing so. Harry, you really did thoroughly test all of the marketing claims that all of the brands or makers of these water bottles made and figured out what was true and what wasn't so mm -hmm. that money then is well spent instead of wasted. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, consumers buy these water bottles for golf alone, so we might as well test them. It, it seems silly, right? But, you know, this is the thing golfers need. I carry two with me uh, every time out if I'm playing 18 holes anyway. And it, a lot of the courses around me anyway don't have water on the on the course anymore because really? of some some uh -huh. legal bullshit that happened, you know, maybe I think in Colorado maybe. Even Likely. Where, 
somebody sued a golf course because somebody else had put something in the water tank and now it's one of these let's just not risk that and so yeah and especially too with covid a lot of people took the took the water off the course hopefully it finds its way back but you know we are at a point where you sort of are in a bring your own situation so yeah big good quality water bottle makes sense Time well spent, Harold. Time mm-hmm. well yeah, spent. I think so. Yeah, thank you, Harry. I appreciate that. Yeah, for you guys, the uh, what the uh, reading the article for me, it was fucking tedious. <laughs> That's your job, though, man. That's what we got you for. Just wait till we get to boxers and 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 headphones, Harry. If we get to those, when we get to those, did we decide who the model for the boxers are gonna be? Like, who's testing those? I'm supposed to be testing them, but I've got to <laughs> reach them. And do them first. Whose butt is Matt taking pictures of is all I want to know. This guy. <laughs> there you go, Chris. <laughs> Matt, how do you feel about that? Chime in from, from beyond. I think you just did. <laughs> all right, moving on. Tony, what's next? Mailbag! That's what we're here for. Our mailbag today comes from Larry Schmidt. He wants to know, what's the story about shortening the length of the driver to 46 inches? What is the story? USGA getting bored about doing stuff and they just want to start a ruckus with everyone else in the industry. The downside of being a rulemaking body is sometimes you sit around and want to make rules. Yeah, it was at the end of the day, it was, I think the legal length was 48. And they, they're they saying that people are hitting it too far because those two extra inches are the ones that are making people bomb it 350, 60 yards. Uh, so they said, we need to cut it down to 46 inches. But here's the stupid thing, right? USGA, they, I guarantee they haven't thought about it. The industry can't decide on a 46-inch <laughs> ruler. So how the hell are they going to measure every single one? Well, they have their own ruler. Any type of measurement like that where it's a rule, everybody has to play by the USGA equipment. So <sighs> It's so stupid. It's still stupid. So what? It's currently at 48 inches, correct? The driver length? That's the maximum, yeah. Yeah, this affects what? Probably a, a handful. It's... This is sort of like the TSA making you take your shoes off at the airport. Like it, in, in the grand scheme of things, it accomplishes very little, but it makes you look like you're, they're doing something and it probably makes some people feel better. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, the average driver length on tour is still well below 46 inches. And so, you know, you Phil Mickelson, you Bryson and Brooke Henderson, and while you're at it, you Brooke Henderson, right? That's really the the bulk of the uh, tour professionals using these long drivers. And so I don't know kind of what what you really accomplish here. But Nothing. Whatever. Just like to get to either roll the ball back. They're trying to just accommodate for the, the small population of the golfing industry that can hit it X amount of yards or whatever. Rounding down, we can say that 0% of golfers really hit the ball too far. We're really talking about elite professionals, which is, you know, that much, especially when you factor in all the new golfers that have come in from, from COVID. And-, and 0% of golfers, if we're rounding down still, right, are optimally fit into... 47 inch 48 inch drivers right you, you might round to 0.1 percent that are actually you know using using 48 inch drivers in a way that that actually increases distance without yeah you know creating unplayable conditions and it's it's you know sort of uh, it feels like a hey look at what we did kind of thing to be clear, this is this is still kind of rumor there is no no new rule in place, no proposed new rule but 
I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of data or evidence to support that. I think it's an F you to Bryson, but then they made up for it for banning anyone that says Brooksy at the tournament. I'm pretty sure they just, they, they've got nothing to do. So he was like, all right, let's stir up some shit today. We're bored. I mean, there's, there's still, I think there's probably an awareness, right? They look at the golf ball a lot. <laughs> That's the one that gets thrown out. We'll just roll back the golf ball. And right. the USGA wants to solve a problem, but what they don't want is a lot of public attention and a lot of noise. And you can be relatively certain that if the USGA says, hey, we are capping, you know, you've got to go and make a ball that doesn't perform as well as the one that you guys have invested industry-wide hundreds of millions of dollars into building, there will be lawsuits. Like, it is inevitable. (laughs) So, you know, there will be major, major pushback on that. And, you know, so it's, it's explosive. And so if you can sort of say, hey, we're doing something about the distance problem, um, and again, this is all hypothetical, right? Just rumor. In a way that that doesn't impact anyone or barely anyone, you know, maybe maybe that's the the best way to you know put lipstick on this particular pig. But it does almost seem like they're effectively just singling out a handful of players because I don't know anyone who <laughs> plays a forty-eight inch driver. I just I don't. Well, even it's, if they do, they might not be able to control where the hell the direction goes. Well, so. that's it. Like that's why people yeah. don't play them. Uh, average guys can't control no. that. I mean, there comes a point at which yeah, it's just it's nonsense. But hey, Dumb. we'll see. Could be nothing, just rumor, but I mean at most it would be a local rule, right? Where where and that's one of the ways that USG wants to get around this idea of bifurcation uh, as opposed to, you know, one set of rules for all players, which is... We haven't said that word in a long time, bifurcation. It's sort of like everybody gets to make their own rules. We could have a full podcast on, on the ways of kind of cheating yourself around the whole bifurcation nonsense, but I still would love to ask the question, okay, why should Brooke Henderson have to play a shorter driver? Why should she have to go to a situation where she's not optimally fit for something, if this is what she feels is optimal for her and her game, why should she have to sacrifice that? Where's the evidence to support that she should, in point of fact, have to do that? And absent any evidence to to support that position, it's, again, it's just another small bullshit move that, that the USGA has not thought out well at all, that if anything would damage certain players for the gain of what? And until we can answer that question, I don't think they really have much of a leg to stand on, my opinion. All right. This is a quick one today. Anybody else have anything that we need to talk about? What about Tony's what's in the bag? I how What have we settled on here, Tony? Yeah, we're kind of locked in at this point, I think. Oh, so you might have some things to share? I mean, because we did it basically a grip at a time, a shaft at a time, a component at a time. Tony, we lost your audio. I mean, this is actually kind of nice that for once we can't hear what Tony's saying. <laughs> we should guess and do it like a like a dub over of those really bad yeah, movies. Yeah, let's do Okay, Tony, you keep talking and Chris, you dub him. Ready, go. I'm playing a three, four, five, and six hybrid. And I like Vokey, the best wedge. I love the D grind. And I might even do a D grind on my putter. I love it that way. And then my putter. 